Welcome to The Inside. The Inside podcast series is created by students at Southern New Hampshire University under the direction of Dr. Lowell C. Matthews. For this season, students in Philosophy 316, Business Ethics, explore the ethics of incarceration. I am Monet Taylor, and my group members are Michael Webster and Damon DeBois. And for our project, we decided for this series, this episode, to go into entrepreneurship after incarceration. And there are actually a lot of great programs that help formerly incarcerated people with entrepreneurship. So the first one that we're gonna talk about is um, Inmates to Entrepreneurs. We got to speak with the executive director of that organization, who is Ali. So um, looking into one of the main programs that we talked about being uh, Inmates to Entrepreneurs, the main point that kind of caught us off with that was the word inmates itself. And after doing some research and learning more about, you know, what the word meant, we learned that it kind of had a, a different meaning than what the organization may mean to put it out as. And um, one of those things that was that, you know, the word inmates as a whole kind of gives off a bad or negative connotation, you know, in terms of what it means. And I think it kind of provides a stereotype as what an inmate might look like or what it might mean or, you know, I know for people who may have been formerly incarcerated, they might not look at it as a, a positive term. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. Uh, so what we're trying to do, instead of saying the words inmates, we're trying to use uh, formerly incarcerated or incarcerated people in order to, to try to take that negative stigma really away from the word. Yeah, so getting into that, the inmates entrepreneurs, I guess one of the things that I kind of found interesting was just the overall work of the organization and how they're able to kind of take you know, entrepreneurs and kind of provide them a second chance in terms of providing a, a halfway point for them to, you know, learn more about business backgrounds and become more business affiliated, which kind of gives them more of an outlet. I think um, some of the programs that they offer also kind of give them just an overall background into what business is about and kind of what makes that ground up. I mean, did you find some of the things up there or did you find like? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a super unique opportunity. Um, there's about 600,000 people that leave prison every year. Um, this program is basically easy, like easing the reentry process for them, um, going to try to apply for jobs, which is extremely difficult for incarcerated people. Trying to deflect these issues is basically this program's goal. So they were founded in 1992 uh, by the Brian Hamilton Foundation. Uh, it's a self-funded program. They don't need to answer to any grant writers, which is great. They're, they have a great mission and vision focus. Um, they do eight-week courses. They start at their own pace. Help these help these reincarcerated people, you know, return as citizens by giving them the opportunity to have their own business. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, and kind of getting to the root of why programs like this are even needed. Um, what kinds of reasons did you find, you know, inmates, not even inmates, but uh, incarcerated individuals signed? What kind of issues did you find that they struggle with, you know, once they are released as far as getting opportunities and jobs? And, you know, how do you think programs like this kind of help them benefit from? You know those types of issues so so basically what i'm seeing is like that they're having an issue getting back into the workforce they want to work and they're eager to work but there's that that separation between you know are the businesses going to allow them to do what they need to do and get back into society or are they going to prevent them based off their crime are they going to be willing to give them that second chance or is that really something that you know they're going to try to oh my i guess hold over their head in a way mm -hmm. if that makes any sense um 
So these incarcerated individuals, um, there's a, how, how do they even like find out about programs like this? I mean, through the few, it seems like they're only offered in these types of special facilities or facilities they might be offered. I mean, not all programs, well, there aren't programs like this, you know, offered in all facilities across the states. There's just a select few. And I mean, these programs are kind of brought up as a, another way to have them, you know, yeah, no, I've yeah, heard, I got, got what you're saying. So, so these these uh these individuals find out about these programs. Um, when we talked to Allie, she said that they talk to community colleges. They try to partnership like with these other other prisons, but the problem is that others who are very willing to you know respond to them and give these give these inmates resources, and then the other the other half is they're understaffed and they're unresponsive when trying to get the information out. Um, they are very proactive with helping these individuals get these resources so that they can be very informed. And uh, they also try to do local partnerships in towns and communities. So I think I think that's that's an excellent opportunity as long as they're able to reach out to to incarcerated people and you know, try to make that difference, which is their program's mission. Then I think that's that's excellent. Yeah, and, and with these types of programs, I think the question that we kind of thought, what we wanted to know at least was, you know, how often did we see businesses fully come out of programs like this? And, you know, were people taking advantage of these opportunities? And I think that, you know, obviously she wasn't able to get like an exact number, but I think for the most part, people did have an interest in, you know, at least learning the background and kind of being able to see what it has to offer. And, you know, obviously I think through our experiences too, that we're going into, in the future is just people who have and people who have become successful and what that can be like and then also people who might not have what the exact route could have found other you know means of success through programs like this as well yeah i mean so they give the these graduates everybody who graduates this program gets access to the alumni network i think we were talking that you were talking about a little bit basically it's gonna help them link up with counselors and other people that serve on their board in order to better pursue their goals and their dreams by finding people who already did it. And so if you can find somebody to help you assist in your business and creating it from what it needs to be, then I, mean, that's, I think that's awesome program. So the the only issue that they really have is the capital aspect of it. Um, banks aren't really too, I guess, what's the word? What's the word? I'm kind of probably giving. Um, I mean, they're not willing to take that chance necessarily. Yeah, because it's a high risk. Yeah. And I mean, I think that also kind of even feeds back into that entrepreneurship mentality as far as capital. I mean, there are no you know, necessarily grants or anything given to you. So I think in this position too, there's also more of a, um, you know, a hunger to kind of get to that level of, yeah. you know, getting into a position where, you know, you're kind of breaking those boundaries and those walls that might be in the way as far as, you know, trying to get to that goal for business. And, um, I think obviously finding mentors through this alumni program and other things kind of give you that kind of leeway, at least have a step ahead of the game as far as knowledge and obviously what you do with that is on you, but um, it kind of does make it a lot more difficult when you are in a position like this as well. So I'd also agree with that. So one of the big problems that we're seeing in, uh, in this program is that they lose contact with a lot of people because it's a highly uh, mobile population. Mm. A lot of people move, change their numbers. You know, it's kind of hard to track. Um, they said that, Alex said the success rate uh, can't really be measured, I guess, like with uh, statistical data. 
but she said about one third of them who come through the program actually are able to start a business, which is which is pretty great. That's thirty-two percent, so it's pretty awesome. Um, the large it is a large scale, you know, population that they face. So losing those contacts, kind of, you know, yeah. it's not really something that the program can be, uh, you know, knocked for. It's not really their their fault. What yeah. it is, and I mean, obviously, I think anything you know, kind of going through a program like this, is also a big, big learning curve within itself. Because you know, one of the ways that, or one of the questions that we kind of asked is like, what kind of struggles might have stopped them or affected them from you know starting a business or you know from even moving forward? And a lot of it was being realistic. I mean, she mentioned that no one was starting a business tomorrow once yeah. they had the information, you know. Starting a business takes you some time and some it's a process. Might, exactly. Some might do it quicker than others and you know, others might have, you know, more help than others as well along the way. But um she said a big part of what they do is just, you know, taking those little steps and kind of having like that small growth and just, you know, taking things chunk by chunk and allowing for that to happen and then knowing that the background of the person kinda of influenced their current situation too. I mean, yeah. different things that they might have, you know, had in their past can also either help them or, you know, hurt them in a way. And I think that's what a lot of people face in these situations. And I think what, you know, programs like that are made to do is to either give them that second opportunity and, you know, platforms like us, it's kind of break that stereotype and that boundary of what it really is, you know, to really happening behind those doors, you know, from the mouths of the people directly. So I think, you know, a big thing for us is just, again, knowing that these kinds of, you know, stereotypes and things, you know, don't necessarily define the person and that these programs are, you know, made to help. Yeah. And, and kind of caveat off that. So as far as this program's vision, um, so what happened before COVID is these guys were able to take classes, you know, in person in North Carolina, but COVID was both a blessing and a curse for them. They moved um, online to an online program and gave people the opportunity at a national level to participate in this program. Um, they're working on covering the entire country, currently working like coast to coast with other networks right now. So I think you guys have a excellent plan moving forward. And I think this program is going to continue to be successful as we go on. Uh, Taylor, if you want to tell us who the next interview was. So the next person that we talked to was Sean from Hudson Link, who he is the executive director of that program. Um, talking with him gave us a very different perspective coming into what we thought entrepreneurship would mean for formerly incarcerated people. And I think you and Damon can go ahead and give a little, dive a little deeper into that. Yeah, for sure. So. This program, uh, basically Hudson Link, is offered only exclusively in New York at the moment. Um, I think they run seven, seven the, through seven different prisons. They're right currently now. in six, and they're getting ready to move into a seventh one. Yeah. So, what what they basically do is they're they're kind of a reentry back into society program, pretty similar to Ali's program, but a little bit different. So they're focused on you know giving giving these individuals housing. Um, providing them with business attire such as clothing, you know, laptops, technical assistance. Because you got to think about it. A lot of these guys, when if they go into prison, if they go into prison for a little while, they're they're not so you know technically savvy as people who are out now. They you know some people serve between ten and twenty years. Technology's changed a lot, so 
this program likes to make that transition a lot easier. You know, give them that cell phone, give them that assistance they need to be able to contact others to try to get the help they need to get you know back into it. Yeah, so this program is really educational driven. Uh, they're really focused on offering those two-year, four-year degree opportunities. Uh, before they used to offer, what could, what type of degree was it? So before they offered a business administration entrepreneurship type degree, and they found that a lot of their people that went through the program, they weren't going to open businesses because like we talked about earlier, just getting capital to start, even if you're not, a formerly incarcerated person, that's extremely hard. So it makes it 10 times harder for them. And what we ended up, what they ended up finding was a lot of their people were going into the helping fields, being social workers and going back into the community to help people. And that's why they changed their degree to uh, behavioral sociology, I think. Yeah, I, I think it was a social science degree is what they're what they're really focusing on because like you said they're all about helping people and these people are really focused on giving back to the communities helping start you know new opportunities and within their communities so that they can essentially change the environment itself yeah one of the um, things that we talked about too is the fact that um as he's like, you know, building houses with these people and kind of working people through to kind of get to the program, he's also providing opportunities for them as far as having a place to stay while being able to kind of work their way through and get back on their feet, which is, um, I think, huge because, like we just mentioned, you know, they don't have the support often as soon as they're, you know, outside of these walls. So transitioning outwards from, from you know, being inside is kind of a, a big step, but to then have that continued support even after the fact is huge because, you know, like, previous programs or different programs, they might not have that immediate connect after the fact. So. Yeah, and they're they're essentially housing individuals who are previously incarcerated. They let them work on the house, you know, make the, the fixes that they need to to make it livable conditions, and then they let those individuals live there, which is an amazing opportunity for them because like we've all discussed, you know, capital is an issue, the initial startup, you know, having funds in general is a problem. Because you, I mean, if you're away for a while, how are you supposed to, you know, have have any finances, have anything? You won't have any credit. Some people go in when they're young; they won't have any credit. Um, their their success rate is something else we really wanted to touch on. Um, what was that percentage? Yeah. <laughs> so, as you were saying, talking about their success rate. Um, for the people that, the formerly incarcerated people that are with Hudson Link and that go through their programs, they, less than 2% of Hudson Link graduates were able to return from prison within the three year period. Right, and that's, that's amazing considering the rate of return for a person to be reincarcerated within the first three years is about 66%. Um, now, Sean did say that he doesn't want to take all the credit for that. He said that he's just here to help people. And that is, that's literally his whole goal. And the whole goal of Hudson Link is to help. And I think another thing that I found interesting was, while they don't charge much for the program, they do have a tuition of $10. Now, $10 doesn't sound like a lot, does it? No, no. No. But... 
for them where their average wage is maybe $2 an hour, that, that's a significant amount. And what Sean was saying was he found that when you have a, a stake in something, you're more willing and you're more likely to continue with it. Yeah, because I mean, with the two dollars, even even two dollars is pretty high for some of these prisons, based off the research we've conducted. And you know, if you're if you're paying towards something, like you're you're really invested. So, what it actually costs is about five thousand dollars, but they're only making you know these students pay ten dollars because of you know the financial impacts and you know the other factors invested. So what happens is they're not paying the universities directly; they're actually paying those professors. And what they're doing is they supply the books, the materials, and then they waive the college tuition fee. So the money goes directly to the professor who's volunteering their time and their efforts to serve, you know, in these prisons. So I think it's, I think it's a great opportunity. Um, these guys are going above and beyond to try to educate formerly incarcerated people to give them a chance to reinvent themselves outside of the prison and really make make their dreams come true because you know you you need somebody needs to invest in you to have a second chance and a lot of businesses even though they say oh we, we do do this their actions aren't speaking louder than what their words are and i think that's one of the huge problems that we're having yeah i would agree and i think um again this program is yet another example of one that's kind of breaking up the boundary but in a way that's you know needed on a different level in terms of just support and um, giving that opportunity. I think one thing that Sean also said was, you know, being in that position previously, he wanted to, you know, be someone that can also provide that example to others. And, you know, his way of doing it is obviously more direct within the umbrella of uh, what Hudson is already doing too. So I think, um, you know, this is just a great example of how the, the stigma around what it means to be previously incarcerated individual has shifted and how it uh, is continuing to change and uh, you know again we're just another voice to expose that so it was great talking with y'all and having this conversation i would like to of course thanks ali thomas from ma's entrepreneurs and also sean from hudson link for being willing participants and letting us interview them um, coming up in our next episode, you're going to be looking really forward to it because we're going to actually talk to formerly incarcerated people who have started their businesses. So we're really looking forward to that. Um, thank you for listening to this episode, The Inside. We invite you to follow us on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts.